In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our text is the Gospel reading, which you've already heard. You may be seated. This is the third Sunday in Lent, and this is also the third Sunday in a row that we've had a reference to the demonic in our Gospel reading for the day. Two weeks ago was Satan's temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. Last week we heard the story of the Canaanite woman whose daughter was demon-oppressed. And this week we're sort of dropped into what seems like the middle of a story where Jesus is casting out a demon that made a man mute. That is, the man could not speak. Now, we modern folks have been trying to move past the devil for decades, maybe even centuries at this point, insisting that the existence of such a being is nothing but religious superstition. One of my professors in seminaries liked to, in seminary liked to tell the story of another Lutheran church body that um, when they had done a new translation of the catechism, it was back in the 60s, that they had, um, in, their in their printing process, had changed the, the meaning of Luther's explanation to the second command, commandment. So just for review, the second commandment is you shall uh, not misuse the name of the Lord your God. This means that we should fear and love God so that we do not curse, swear, use satanic arts, lie or deceive by his name, and call upon in every pr trouble, pray, praise, and give thanks. This other Lutheran church body actually removed the words satanic arts from the catechism, from what is forbidden by God. And lo and behold, before he, he said it like this, he said even before the ink was dry on the catechism, that same year the movie Rosemary's Baby came out. And many of you may remember that movie. It was a movie that, was, that came out that was dealing with the occult and demonic possession. And it was kind of the first in a wave of movies that dealt with that subject. So you think of like, the exorcism, and movies of that kind of franchise. The demonic was rearing its ugly head. The funny thing is, is that we often think that we're so much smarter and that we're so much more advanced than those people who came before us, that things can be more scientifically explained and, you know, before we thought that these things were demon possession, but now we can say, oh, well, you know, it's epilepsy. That's the problem that, that folks might have. And I'm not saying that epileptics are demon possessed, but we, you get the picture. Uh, we often try to explain away the devil with scientific causes. However, just this year, and I know none of you probably watched the Grammys because nobody actually watches the Grammy Awards, there was a performance that was featured there where one of the singers came dressed as Satan. Now, isn't it interesting that this image continues to come back time and time again, even though we think we've progressed far enough forward in human history that we can get rid of the devil? Lutherans, however, going back to the Reformation, have a very different view of the power of the devil. You'll probably recall how not only do we reference the devil in the second commandment, but the catechism often speaks of our three great enemies, sin, death, and the power of the devil. 
But something that you may not be aware of is that we also confess that holy baptism is an exorcism. This is why we ask the questions about renouncing the devil, renouncing his works, and renouncing his ways as part of the baptismal rite. But in our agenda, the, the book that was published for pastors to do services that are not all contained in the hymnal, has an alternative form of the baptismal rite that is actually the baptismal rite that Luther used during the Reformation. And in this rite, which did not make it into the hymnal, the rite begins with an address by the pastor, like the other one does, but then it finishes that address. The pastor says these words, Therefore, depart, you unclean spirit, and make room for the Holy Spirit. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Now, even though we may shake our heads at the removal of satanic arts from another Lutheran church body's catechism, there was so much reluctance about this one line in the baptismal rite that the hymnal committee opted to go with the baptismal rite that you find in your hymnal and not put in the original rite that Luther used. The picture at the beginning of our gospel reading then may be taken as a picture of holy baptism. Before Christ claims us as his own in the waters of baptism, we are bound in the devil's kingdom, and he is armed with his lies and his power to keep us locked and under his control. But Christ, who is the stronger man, comes and attacks Satan, not with force, but by laying down his life at the cross. There, he crushed the devil's might and by holy baptism leads us out of the devil's kingdom. Baptism is not, however, the end of our battle against Satan. On the contrary, baptism sets us against the devil since by it we belong to Christ. Today, Jesus speaks about what this battle looks like following baptism. This is one of the places that Jesus speaks most clearly and most candidly about what happens to the demon after it is cast out of a person in baptism. He says, When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest. Now, isn't that interesting? That the demon is looking for rest away from water the waters of holy baptism, perhaps, because those are the waters that cast him out. But what happens next is perhaps even more interesting. Finding no rest, the demon says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house swept and put in order. Then it goes and brings seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that person is worse than the first. Jesus helps us to understand this. After a woman cries out, blessed is the womb that bore you, he says, no, rather, blessed is the one who hears the word of God and keeps it. Baptism does cleanse us from sin, from death, and the power of the devil. 
the damage that is wrought by Satan and his fallen demon horde is begun to be undone in the waters of holy baptism. Think of the the man that was demon-possessed that encountered Jesus. He was living by the tombs. They couldn't control him. He refused to wear clothes. He couldn't even be bound by new ropes. But when Jesus exercised the demon from that man, the townsfolk, when they came to the scene, they found the man clothed and in his right mind. A real change came over that man. That's what happens to us in holy baptism. God creates a new heart in us and puts his spirit in us in order that our lives might be set under his control and in his order. But what happens if that new baptismal life is not nurtured with the word of God? Jesus is clearly warning us that it is possible for a person to again fall under the power of Satan, leaving that person's state worse off than they were even before baptism. I mentioned this with Judas on Wednesday, if you recall. He went from being a beloved disciple of Jesus through whom God worked many miracles, preaching the gospel and even casting out demons. But after Judas allowed greed and unbelief to take over his heart again, Satan not only drove him to reject Jesus, but finally drove him to suicide. Unfortunately, many of us probably know people who grew up in the church, but over time came to reject Jesus. How hard is it now to talk to those folks about Christ and his power to save from sin and death? This goes hand in hand with a biblical trend. Once the gospel is rejected in one place, it very rarely returns there again. Look at Israel and Syria, places where the church's earliest roots took hold. After Islam conquered the area and began to spread, Christianity is now nearly completely lost in those regions. Or consider Europe, what it has become. Europe was once the thriving heart of Christianity. But now, the churches there are either museums, or they sit empty, or they have become amusement parks complete with slides and miniature golf courses. And if you don't believe me, just Google it. Or maybe better yet, don't, because it will grieve you. This is a trend that has also come to North America as churches began to empty out. Does this not help us to understand now the way demonic possession seems so dauntingly powerful in our culture today? We, while we may not see the same kind of manifestations as the demons described in the Bible, is not the end result the same? Take, for instance, the demon that was described in this passage. It made the man mute. He was unable to speak. Look at the concerted effort in so many places now to silence the voice of the gospel in favor of the sexual revolution. Just this week, I heard a story about a school board in Arizona, how it had ended its agreement to receive students from 
Arizona Christian University, the student teachers that would come into the school, they, they ended that agreement, citing the university stand on marriage as being a threat to the students that they would interact with. Now, oddly enough, there had not been one instance, there had not been one complaint from any student or parent in the school system where these student teachers from Arizona Christian University came in and were proselytizing and telling people about what marriage really is. It was nothing but a perceived threat that the school board conjured out of nowhere based on no actual incidents. But Jesus' warning primarily is not aimed at the culture or the church broadly. It seems to be aimed particularly towards the individual. Consider what the scriptures say about the devil, for instance. In John 8, Jesus says, He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. In John 16, he calls the devil the ruler of this world. That means that even though he has been defeated and mortally wounded, Satan is still a real threat to the Christian, and he will be until that day of Christ's final return. This is why St. Peter writes in 1 Peter 5, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. St. Paul, in Ephesians 6.12, says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. He then urges us to take up the full armor of God, which the church has always thought of as a reference to holy baptism. And in that armor, we find protection from the flaming arrows of Satan. Paul also warns us in 2 Timothy chapter 2 that the devil is constantly setting traps and snares so that he would be able to control people in order to do his will. People loved by God, the threats that we face to our Christian faith in this world are real, but they are not simply a run of bad luck. They are orchestrated by Satan himself, who, as Jesus says, rules this world. So what can we possibly do against such a powerful foe? What did Jesus say in our gospel reading for today? Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Dear saints, Christianity cannot be something of a hobby. If we only engage with the Word of God on the Lord's Day, that leaves some 167 hours for the rest of the week where the devil has free reign.
to work on us in plotting our downfall. Jesus says that we are blessed in keeping God's word, not by making a side hustle of Christianity that we do every once in a while or whenever it seems convenient. But Jesus says in John 8, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. If we actually want to be freed from death and hell as Christ offers to us, we must not just hear the word of God, but we must also keep the word of God. We must abide in it, as Jesus says. That is, we must live in it, and we must live from it, and we must live through it. So take stock. How often have you read God's word this week? And what has got in the way of your Bible reading? Jesus tells us that whatever causes us, to, causes us to sin should be cut off and thrown away. So let's get practical. If reading the Bible for you is a challenge, as it is sometimes even for me, let me suggest that you start with just reading a little bit every day. You don't have to read a whole chapter, just a little bit. Devote time to that. Start in the New Testament, by the way. As you're able, read more. Or, if it's better for you to set a timer, do that. Where that timer says that during this time you're only engaging with the scriptures. Do it at the same time and in the same place every day. I try to do my personal Bible reading in the morning before the rest of the day sweeps me away. I usually sit in my favorite chair at home where my Bible permanently lives. And I even had to evict my daughter from the chair yesterday so that I could sit there. She didn't go quietly, by the way. But when we set these kinds of habits that are linked to time and place and setting aside certain times for this activity only, then that makes those habits more ingrained in us. It's just a, a practical thing. But in this time, this kind of training will help make reading God's Word a staple in your day, something that is just part of your routine. And the devil, when he comes knocking, will not find your house swept and emptied, but he will find it filled up with the Holy Spirit. Christ's word, which the Holy Spirit works in and through, will cause Satan to flee away from you because he has no power where the word of God rules. Jesus Remember, a few weeks ago, caused Satan to flee away from him simply by quoting the scriptures. Christ's word still has that power today. And so, people loved by God, remember that you are in a full-on war with the devil. Your only armor and your only weapon in this conflict is the very word of God. For through it, Jesus speaks to us to comfort us, to bind up our wounds that sin and hell have wrought upon us. 
And through that word, Jesus casts out demons and makes them flee away from you. So blessed are those who hear the word of God and those who keep it. In Jesus' name. And now the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus our Lord.